Welcome back once again to another episode of Marvel Month here at It Was a Thing on TV. I am the protector of the deep. Dish. I am Johnny C. We now journey to the year 2019. Kobe Smolders is five years removed from her role as Robin on How I Met Your Mother and is coming off a supporting role in Spider-Man Far From Home as her MCU character, Maria Hill. In her return to television, she would play a former Marine who becomes a private investigator in the city of Portland, Oregon. Does anyone know if that's like a thing in Portland? Is there a big private investigator scene down in Portland? Like, do people go through Damon Lillard's trash to see if he paid his bills on time? I don't know. And what about the story of Oregon? Who is your daddy and what does he do? Well, with the help of Peter B. Parker, Ms. Taryn Killam is ready to help stop crime on the mean streets of Oregon as we look at Stumptown. There's this boar I like, Madame at the food court. He's got hair like Gretzky, and he does jumps on his skateboard. I hope he asks me out, takes me to my favorite spot. It'll be just him and me. Episode 262, submission number 1979, Stumptown. Stumptown aired on ABC from September 25th, 2019 to March 25th, 2020 for 18 episodes. We're going to get right to the show because A, there's really no open to the show per se, but also B, they rely a lot on Sweet Caroline and we're not getting zapped on the YouTube. Well, Marvel Month keeps rolling along as we get ready for the drop of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in theaters. Yeah, a week and a half from now. It's hard to believe it's almost there. I know. You know what else is almost in a couple of weeks? The season finale of Moon Knight. You know, I gotta be honest. The first three episodes, I gotta say, I was like, when is this going to get good? When is this going to get good? And then episode four, it got good. It got good. And then the the last scene in episode four, I'm like, what the hell did I just see? Chico, do you want to ruin episode four for Mike? Do we want to get Yaya for a spoil alert? I'll defer to Mike on this. I don't even know what you're talking about, so spoil away. Okay, Yaya, Yaya. go ahead. Spoil alert! Spoil alert! Okay, describe what happened in the last scene in Moon Knight episode four. We thought Moon Knight was, you know, we thought we had Moon Knight all figured out. And then... Arthur Harrow shoots Mark, watches him sink into a golden pool of water, and when Mark awakes, he finds himself in a clean, white metal hospital. Camera floats through space, revealing many of the side characters he's seen to be either orderlies and patients, including Layla, 
and Arthur Harrow appears to be operating the hospital, diagnosing Mark as suffering a mental breakdown. Now, I should note, Mike, Arthur is the character Ethan Hawke plays on the show. He's the villain of the show, so. Okay. So, Arthur Harrow, the villain, is basically diagnosing Mark, the hero, as having a mental disorder. Which he legitimately does. But not to the point that Arthur Harrow makes it out to be. Or maybe it is. We won't know until episode 5 on Wednesday. But that's not what I was talking about. What The, the last scene. The last scene in the episode. You remember the last uh, scene in the episode, right? I did not get that far before. Oh, God damn it. There was a the, hippo in the last scene in the episode for some reason. Wait a minute. Are you talking about the hippo with the hat on his head? Yes. Hi. Why was there a hippo in the hat on his head? That's what I was waiting for you to talk about the hippo. Oh, I didn't know you were waiting on that. I yes! Didn't even, I didn't even think about the hippo. <laughs> you didn't even have it cross your mind. The most bizarre thing in that episode was a hippo in the last scene. I was too busy thinking about Andrew and Mark in the hospital. <laughs> now that you bring it up, I want to know where they're going with the hippo. No, wait, wait. I'm still stuck on the baddie being the person who has to rescue the hero. I, I understand, you know, he's a doctor. He took an oath and all that. But there's a hippo? Okay, so now that I'm doing all the Googling and the research as to why the hippo is important, in Egyptian mythology, Tarot was generally considered, this is from the LA Times, a protective deity and was at times associated with childbirth. Sometimes referred to as the Great One, it also had some connections to the afterlife. Stephen is asked to move a box of hippo plush dolls at work that he identifies as Tarot. So. What will happen with this hippo and Mark and Stephen? Who knows? We'll find out in the last two episodes. But that's not important. Now, let's forget about Moon Knight. We're going to talk about. Two people on this show from two different cinematic universes related to Marvel. Yes. And ironically enough, they're on a TV show that's based on a comic from another company. Stumptown was originally an indie comic published by Oni Press in 2009 for 19 issues created by Greg Rucka and Matthew Southworth. Matthew Southworth did the art, Greg Rucka did the stories, and in an episode of iFanboy, which is another podcast, Rucka says he was going to write his college thesis on the American detective genre from Dennis Lehane, Robert B. Parker, who created Spencer for Hire, and Raymond Chandler, who created Philip Marlowe. So you have these pulp authors and these gritty anti-hero detectives and their influence on the creation of his character, Dex Perios. And then you have Magnum P.I., Simon and Simon, the Rockford Files, these uh, iconic television detectives who are anti-heroes in their own right, but not to the point of what Robert B. Parker and Raymond Chandler did. 
and you see all of that influence in the character. If you've ever read the comic book or watched the series, you kind of see that in Dex Perios's mannerisms as she tries and flush out crime and all the unsavory elements in Portland, Oregon. Oh, beautiful Portland, Oregon. Keep Portland weird. Yeah, because as we all know, the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. That's yes. what Fred Ormison told me. <laughs> I could actually make a joke about what Kobe Smulders was doing for 10 years before Stumptown, but she was a Canadian pop star, and the 80s came late, which means so did the 90s. Man, I can't wait for Canada to finally get Kesha. <laughs> so, Oni Press announced that in less than one week, the first issue of Subtown sold out at the distributor level. Everybody was buying out this title. And that first volume was nominated for the Eisner Award for Best Limited Series. And, you know, the Eisner Award is basically the comic book industry's version of the Grammys. By the way, Will Eisner, not that Eisner. Oh, thank heavens. So on January 2019, ABC ordered a pilot based on the graphic novels. A month later, on February 25th, Kobe Smulders was cast in the lead role as Dex Perrius, who is a bisexual detective stuffing out the criminal element in the city of Portland. Wait, what did you say, Chico? A bisexual detective stuffing out the criminal element in the city of Portland. What the hell is that? That's eugenics. <laughs> Malik saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, he did. Okay. He has his hands in shame. He's muted. You're muted. Oh, sorry. The only thing more awkward than this meeting is trying to take your money when you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait. I like how Chico set that up. Oh my gosh. What is that? Well, well I was well I was I, I I was like that is word for word the clip. Yeah. That's what Mikey Day said. What the hell is that? And no, I, I, I I get it. I get it. It's, it's just it, it, Chico made it funnier. I, I I'm sorry there Mikey Day. Oh, now you're interested, Mike. <laughs> Okay, so let me give you a detailed sort of biography of the lead character. Okay. Dex Perrios is a sharp-witted military veteran who struggles to get by and take care of her younger brother, Ansel, in Portland, Oregon. She also struggles with PTSD from her time as a Marine in Afghanistan. Of course, this would be in the age of Don't Ask, Don't Tell where she worked in military intelligence until she was injured by an explosion from an IED, which killed her college sweetheart and former lover. Burdened by heavy gambling debts and unable to hold down a steady job, she becomes a private investigator to solve problems where the police cannot get involved. 
So basically, it's the equalizer, except incredibly extra. Right down to the bar owner and the detective who doesn't really like Dex, but gets where she's coming from and tries to help her out. Right? Yeah. So they all provide moral support and help out wherever possible. So we already talked about Kobe Smalters and the role of Dex Perios. Her brother, Ansel's, played by Cole Sibis, who has Down syndrome and works as a barback at oh. that bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Cole Sibis, if I can bring that bio up, was known for roles in Spare Room and as himself in Meet the Biz and Inclusion. I want to know if he is actually... Um, has Down is, Syndrome? Is he differently? Is he actually differently abled, or is he just playing it? Or just playing it. I would hope it's the former. Well, actually, I'll tell you right now, he is a Special Olympics athlete. From oh, South good! From Southern good. California. Oh, that's... Very, ni- very nice, yes. Thumbs and, up. And, and, and on, his, on his official Instagram at Cole Sipis, he says in his bio, Hi, I'm Cole. I am an actor with Down Syndrome. You may have seen the other hit show, Subtown. Read my new article in Melange. He has it linked on his Instagram. So he is an athlete. He is an actor. He does all this with Down Syndrome, and he's incredibly good at both. Good. You know what? I'm glad that Corky from Life Goes On left a trail for future actors with Down Syndrome. That's great. Corky crawled. So Cole Sippus could walk. Damn straight. Very admirable. Next, we have Gray McConnell, who is an ex-con and the owner of the Bad Alibi Bar, where Dex drinks and Ansel works. And he's played by Jake Johnson, a.k.a. Peter B. Parker from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And, of course, the sequel, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Part one. Now it's been postponed to June of 2023. Which, if you ask me, is weak. You know why they did it? Because they want to give Madam Web a boost, because that's coming out July 2023. So. Okay, that makes sense then. I was just looking forward to seeing Layup Hard On from previous installments, Japanese Spider Man. Well, we're going to have to wait another. 14 months, unfortunately, for that. So, And then we got to wait another two years for the sequel after that. Part two. Yeah, but you'd best know Jake Johnson from New Girl, of course. And, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't Jake Johnson in that terrible 2017 Mummy reboot with Tom Cruise? Yes. Yes, he was. Remember when Universal said, hey, we're going to make our own version of the MCU with Blackjack and hookers? Blackjack and hookers! With Blackjack and hookers! That didn't turn out well. And then we have, on the other end of Dex's vice spectrum, the owner of the tribal casino and the mother of Dex's deceased boyfriend, Sulin Blackbird, a native from the Confederated Tribes, 
who is played by Tantu Cardinal. Now, Tantu Cardinal, like Kopi Smulders, is a renowned Canadian thespian. And you probably seen her in Dr. Quid Medicine Woman as Snowbird. And New Amsterdam for one episode as Dr. Jane Muncie. And in a recurring role in Mohawk Girls. Ooh, for, Mo- uh, Mohawk Girls. Oh, Canadian a Canadian joint. Okay. Yes. She was also in Logmire on A&E and Blackstone on Showcase, which is another Canadian joint. Cool. She is a known entity in First Nations television. Next, we have Dex's hard-nosed liaison with the Portland PD, Lieutenant Cosgrove, played by Cameron Mannheim. And if you don't know who Cameron Mayhem is, just no, just don't. Just, why, why are you listening to this? What podcast are you even listening to? Seriously. And Dex's contact at the police bureau, Miles Hoffman, is played by Michael Ely, who you would probably remember as Darren from Future Entry, Almost Human. He I don't, was also e- I don't even the, remember Almost Human. Uh, Carl Urban as a human teamed up with an android. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Yep. He was also in Barbershop, Too Fast, Too Furious, Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man 2, About Last Night, and almost every game show from 2010 to 2021 inclusive that involves some sort of word conveyance element. And he has a recurring role on the current show, Bel Air. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot. The gritty, dramatic reboot. The gritty, dramatic reboot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And he had a recurring role as Jake Reed on season three of Westworld. By the way, I don't know if you caught that, but when you said Bel-Air... Oh, God, Damn it, Greg! No! no! <laughs> Behave yourself! Greg, the slap isn't coming in for another, what, like uh, four or five months? No, until February of 2023. But you know what? We're going to tease the hell out of that. That's going to be epic. Oh, and by the way, he was also a love interest of Mariah Carey in the Get Your Number video, the love interest of Beyonce in the Halo video, and the love interest of some lady in Tonight, Best You Ever Had by John Legend and Ludacris. Okay. We don't mention John Legend or Ludacris enough on this podcast, I don't think. <laughs> was he the guy who Kelly Rowland was texting in Microsoft Excel in that one video? No, you're thinking of Nelly, damn it! Okay, it was Nelly. Okay. It was Nelly! That was Nelly who Kelly Rowland was texting in Microsoft Excel for some reason. confuse Ludacris with Nelly? All I know is the meme. Uh, Chico, mm-hmm. Ch- Chico, d- didn't we? Uh, yes, find out? yes, we, yes, we. Okay, did. Now, all right. Now, okay, you're reading my mind. The question is is being removed off the table. The, the question is moot. Anyway, and we have a bunch of recurring characters as well. We have Gregory Zaragoza as Hollis Green, who is 
Sulin Blackbird's right-hand man. He was on five episodes playing said right-hand man. And fun fact, also a practitioner of Kung Fu, Judo, and Karate, and Trumpet Mariachi. Wow. That's amazing. Because we haven't had the O'Neat kid in a while. Oh, neat! We had him like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, but you can never get enough of him. True. Hey, Jimmy, I got you this big John Stud LJN figure. Oh, neat! Ouch. Okay, then we have Liz Bolero, played by Monica Barbaro from the upcoming Top Gun Maverick. And future entry splitting up together, and another future entry, the good cop. Josh Groban's a police detective. The kids are gonna love it. Wait, what? Josh Groban played a police detective? And Tony Danza is his father. Wait, was he playing a character named Tony? I have no idea. Well, I'll have to research it for a future episode. Anyway. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I've got a question, too. Mm -hmm. In that show, was Tony Danza the boss, or did Mona make an appearance and say she was the boss? Did Judith Light come in and say, no, I'm the boss? Hey, Greg, Greg, I'm doing live research. Tony Danza's character on The Good Cop? Yeah. Was named Tony. Oh my god! <laughs> what a stretch! I am shocked. This is my shocked face. Okay, yeah. Liz is, by the way, a bartender who also dated Gray. So when Liz and Dex end up together, that ends up becoming incredibly awkward. Victor Tuki's assistant chef is played by Selwyn. Pukariza, who is, I'm guessing, another known First Nations actor. He was actually in, I have no idea what my babysitter the superhero is, or <laughs> Night Squad is, but he was in those. My... I think Night Squad was on Nickelodeon or something. I want to say it was. Maybe. We haven't gotten to the episodes with the guest stars, and this is already very interesting. Nickelodeon! Yep. So there you go. The point man for an auto theft ring. His name is Scuzzy, and he's played by Chuck Filipov. And he is best known for the recent version of Perry Mason. They made a recent version of Perry Mason? Yeah, wait, wait a second. There was a recent version of Perry Mason? There was a recent version of Perry Mason. I believe it's an HBO joint. It doesn't have Raymond Burr? How can you have Perry Mason without Raymond Burr? He's dead. Very much so. But just like they did Ironside without Raymond Burr, they did Perry Mason without Raymond Burr. And somehow, I don't know if it was renewed or not, but anyway... It's probably in that same boat as Westworld where they're like looking uh, well, for a window to uh, bring it back for and bring it back. 
Yeah. It'll probably be another three years. I mean, look what happened to Barry. Am I right? Oh, by the way, at the time of recording this, Barry season three is premiering in two days. So we're two days away from having North Hollywood Hank back on TV. I can't Damn wait. Damn right. Well, I missed Good. him. I missed NoHo Hank. You give me army. You turn these pumpkins into Cinderella's overnight, huh? You could take over Burmese Mafia. Go back to 50-50 with Cristobal. Or you could just take the whole thing for yourself. 50-50 with Cristobal. I like the sound of that. Look, I need some gear from you, all right? I'll send you a list of things I'm going to need if we're going to do this, all right? And we got to go out someplace far, like the desert or something. What are you doing? 50-50. Hank. With Cristobal. What are you doing? What are you doing? Get up. You can't talk to each other on the phone. Cristobal. People are looking at us. Stop. And rounding out the recurring cast is Charles Wyatt Accarthy, who works with Scuzzy, played by Tommy O'Brien. I don't believe Tommy O'Brien has an IMDb page, but I'm looking. Okay, he does. Tommy O'Brien starred in six episodes of the recent season of Grownish and two episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And one episode of Glow. He played Steve in the Libertines episode. Okay. What season was that in Glow? Uh, the Libertines? Yeah. Uh, that was season three. Okay. Season three, episode Look, nine, Ruth heads for LA for a big audition. And Debbie helps Bobby okay. take the Libertine ball to the next level. So that's probably the next to last episode. Oh, and by the way, to tie this in with Kobe Smolders, we all know Christopher Lowell was on Glow, and Christopher Lowell's now on How I Met Your Father. So, there you go. Yep. But there are more antics where that came from so let's go ahead and talk about all this fun stuff shall we so as we talked about how kobe smulders got the role and then we talked about michael ely mark weber who is an actor screenwriter and director who's known for snow day and scott pilgrim versus the world and cameron manheim joining the cast and roles Unfortunately, Mark Webber had to exit the role, and that role was recast with Jake Johnson. But so you know Mark what? Mark Webber is out. Jake, Johnson Jake Johnson's in. Yeah, but that's great. But they did get Jake Johnson. So, and interesting take from Kobe Smalters, who previewed the pilot at 2019 San Diego Comic Con, and said that Dex is definitely attracted to women and men. She tries to recover from her PTSD through sex. She's up for anything. It's one of the things that drew me to this character. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. So let's talk about how Stumptown looks absolutely nothing like A, Los Angeles, or B, Vancouver, British Columbia. No, Portland. I it's set in Portland, silly. It is, it is set in Portland, the pilot was shot in Vancouver. Oh, okay. The series was shot in Los Angeles. Okay, so they have nothing alike like Portland. Yeah, that makes sense. Although Vancouver, from what I understand, comes close. Well, Vancouver is near Seattle, so... Exactly. Maybe, maybe if it was set in Seattle, it could pass for Seattle, but... Definitely. 
Of course, they shot uh, Monk in they shot Monk's the first couple seasons in Vancouver, and that was supposed to be San Francisco. But enough about no uh, wait wait no hold on okay why of all the TV programs in television history did you have to choose that one why why would you choose Monk because I know how much you like Tony Shalhoub and I know how much Uh, you like Wings wait how'd you know I love Wings lucky guess anyway oh okay but you know. Guys, I got to tell you something. Oh, no. Mike, are you sitting down? I really need to control myself for this. I, I, I don't breathe, think I can. Breathe, I don't think Mike. I can handle it. I, 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 I really Mike. don't. Okay, hold on. I really don't think I can handle the surprise, but okay. I, I, I'm okay. I, I got you. Try me. I got you. This is Try tough. Me. This is tough to admit. Mm hmm. I love wings. Yeah, we just made mention of that like 30 seconds ago. Oh, that, oh I just wanted, wanted to mention that. I love wings. And it made Tony right. Shalhoub's career. Oh, see, that I didn't know. <laughs> but anyway, we talked about San Francisco. We talked about Vancouver. Let's talk about Portland. Here's the first episode. This was the pilot that was shot in Vancouver. And it's called Forget It, Dex. It's Stumptown. Dex Perios is a former Marine officer whose PTSD makes it impossible to stay employed, leaving her financially insecure. After gambling away her latest disability check at the local casino, the owner, Sue Lin, asks Dex to find her runaway granddaughter, Nina, in return for clearing her debt. Dex accepts the job, but her lack of experience quickly shows, as she finds Nina only to then lose her the two kidnappers and steals a car from a gangster whom she wrongly assumes had something to do with the kidnapping. Greg, say it. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> By the way, that's how it's going to get a workout in this episode here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Thank you. We were just testing it that time. Anyway. She meets a police detective, Miles Hoffman, who encourages her to stay away from the case. Shortly after, Sulin fires Dex, claiming Nina had been returned home. What? Depressed, she goes to Hoffman's apartment and sleeps with him. What? (laughs) The next day, while Dex is trying to track down Nina's boyfriend, Michael, the kidnappers grab her and drive off. She subdues him and proceeds to rescue Sulin and Nina from an unstable Michael. Impressed, Hoffman offers to keep Dex on retainer if he comes across any other problems the police cannot handle. So apparently, that's how she becomes the number one PI in Portland. All she had to do was find a kid, lose a kid, find out that the kid has returned, lose a kid again, and then find the kid. And have a little sex in between. And have a little sex in between. Because that's important. Playing the role of Nina Blackbird is Blue Hunt, who is known for the originals of the CW. The originals? It was sort of a spinoff of um, one of their gritty uh, television dramas. I cannot remember. It's like it was a spinoff of something. 
One of those shows. What one of those shows? It, oh, it was a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. Thank you, Brain. Oh, that makes sense. But at relevant to the current month, she plays Danny Moonstar on The New Mutants. Did anybody watch The New Mutants? I saw The New Mutants. It was terrible. The only redeeming thing about that movie was Anna Taylor Joy. That was it. That was it. She was also in Another Life on Netflix. Yeah. With Katie Sackhoff. And that's really the only person of any real note. Okay. So we go to episode two. Missed Connections. Flashbacks show Dex and Gray meeting for the first time six years ago and befriending each other. Gray connects Dex with a new client, Alan, a widower who offers to pay Dex $1,000 if she finds Katrina, a girl he met at the bar. Dex locates Katrina and completes the job, but the check Alan gives her turns out to be worthless. While searching his home, someone knocks her out from behind. Hoffman subsequently informs Dex that Katrina is actually a professional con artist who has robbed dozens of men like Alan for several years. Determined to get her money, Dex tracks Alan to a motel room where she stops Katrina's psychotic partner, Megan, from asphyxiating him after discovering their relationship. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Alan pays Dex her fee and leaves to start a new life with Katrina. One of Gray's former criminal partners, Jack, comes by to beg for money to pay a debt. Gray refuses to help, and Jack is found murdered shortly thereafter under a bridge. Based on advice from Hoffman's superior, Cosgrove, Dex decides to apply for a license so she could legally work as a PI. So, to review, get knocked out by some con artist. Go all where's my money bitch on said con artist. Become a PI. That's basically the progression of events that leads us to now. Okay. Okay, and oh, Jay Duplass is in this episode. He actually plays Alan, and of course, Jay Duplass, what hasn't he been in? Of course, he is a producer with his brother, obviously. He does Tony Hawk until the wheels fall off, Somebody Somewhere, Room 104, and On Tour with Asperger's RS, which is a really good documentary. I highly recommend it. And as an actor... You probably remember him from Search Party on TBS, Transparent on Amazon, The Mindy Project on Fox and Hulu, and again, every game show from 2010 to the present day that has some sort of word conveyance element. Mostly celebrity name game, though. Playing the role of Katrina, or Caitlin is Zosia Mamet, who is known for The Kids Are Alright, Girls, and Spartan. But mostly for girls. And for no reason whatsoever, here's the clip of Adam Driver on Girls saying good soup. Good soup. Yeah, you're giggling and I know why. Anyway. (laughs) 
their partner, Megan, is played by Megan Lee, who is actually a stunt woman who did her own stunts in Bright on Netflix in 2017. And I'm not going to say anything more about that. Oh, why? Why is that, Chico? Because we don't talk about Will Smith. No, no, no. No, I thought you were going to say, we don't talk about Max Landis. No, no, no. ¿Por qué no los dos? Episode three, Rip City Dicks. Get it? I'm not touching that with a forklift. No. No, no, I mean, it's slang for detectives, dude. Oh, I thought it was slang for genitalia. Okay. (laughs) I I thought it actually meant the action of ripping some dicks off in a city. Okay, good. No, that was the previous episode. You do know Portland is Rip City, right? That's Rip what... City Dicks brought to you by Lorena Bobbitt. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's the joke. <laughs> Two for one, baby. Anyway, Rip City Dicks. Dex persuades veteran PI Artie Banks, played by Donald Logue, a favorite of ours, to take her on as his apprentice. Their first job involves a messy divorce between real estate tycoon Randall Tapper and his wife, Candace. Banks offers a great deal of useful advice and admits that he sympathizes with Dex because she reminds him of his daughter. Hoffman starts investigating Gray while looking into Jack's murder. Prompted by Banks, Dex goes to Hoffman's apartment for dinner. The two try to work each other for information on their respective cases before giving in to their feelings and ripping city dicks. (laughs) (laughs) The... That was not part of the Wikipedia capsule. That just literally came out. Okay, be careful how you (laughs) phrase that, please. Okay. The investigation scores a major breakthrough when Tapper's current girlfriend gives Banks video evidence of him abusing her. But Dex later discovers that he sold it to Tapper, had no intention of helping Candace, and has been manipulating her from the start. Banks condescendingly tells Dex she would be a great PI if she only learns not to care. Hoffman tells Gray he knows about his connection to Jack and offers him protection if he agrees to help find his killer. An enraged Dex visit Candace and declares her intention to bring down both Tapper and Banks. Playing the role of Randall Tapper is Rob Derringer, who is, as it happens this month, played a role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Thomas. Thomas! He was one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. But he spent his life doing daytime dramas. He was in All My Children, The Lake, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, and recently was in Queen America. He also played Derek Gregg. Okay. On the Sweet Taste of Liberty episode of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, to tie back in, yes. The greatest episode from season one. Where Bor- Remember when Barney, like, didn't he, like, steal bags from baggage claim? No, he stole his own bags from baggage claim. 
And when they retrieved the bags, they were found to have condoms and an energy bar. And then weren't him and Ted, like, interrogated by airport security? And yes. When Borny just kept repeating, we are international businessmen on a very important business meeting. This is an outrage. We are international businessmen on a very important international business trip. I demand you release us immediately. You demand? No, 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 no. He does not demand. We, 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 we have no demands. So I'm going to have to ask you to remain calm. Yeah, I'm calm. I'm totally calm. We've got footage of you placing two bags on JFK Carousel 3 and abandoning them to purchase a last-minute flight with cash. Those bags were your responsibility. They were your bags! Sir, please. We're assessing the bag situation. Look, this is all just it's a misunderstanding. Please. We are international businessmen. My colleague accidentally left the bags there. Now, please let us go before we miss our international business meeting. <laughs> no, I yes. asked did you please let us go. Yes. And playing his wife is Shoshana Bush, who nowadays could be seen in On My Block, wherever that is. On My Block is actually on the... Uh, oh, it's on the Netflix uh, service. So there you go. Yeah, because they really need the money right now. Am I right? <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say guy, I said it before and I'll say it again. 200,000 viewers gone. Out of 221 million. Relax. And the stock drops like 40% because of that? They're going to be okay. No. They tr- no, the stock drops because everybody's reporting on it. Meanwhile, everybody who is reporting on it has a vested interest in taking out as much of Netflix's stock as possible. Because no, no, all, all I said, well, all, all I said was that the stock dropped like forty percent. I didn't put any blame anywhere. I'm just keeping it one hundred, dude. And, and, and I, I don't think we should be giving any sort of financial advice, but you'd think now would be a good time to put a few uh, dineros in Netflix, maybe. Probably. Also in this is Azura Sky, who you would remember as Jane from Future Entry, Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. And nowadays is Darla on Riverdale. Oh, Riverdale, of course. Twin Peaks and the Archieverse. Hey, it even has it even has Shelly from Twin Peaks on it as as the mother of Betty. That's great. I know. I remember her as Susie from CSI. Who? Um, what? Mansion always... Amik? You remember her from CSI? CSI Miami. Susie. I didn't Susie. realize she was on CSI Miami. Yeah, she was sort of a raised bastard daughter that always goes to a cane for. Oh wait, no, not raised bastard daughter. Raised bastard companion who goes to cane for uh, help. Okay. Yeah. She's raising Kane's niece. Ooh. Episode four. Family ties. Gray's old boss, Wallace Kane, escapes from custody while serving a life sentence. Oh boy. Dex's attempts to dig up dirt on Randall are continually thwarted by Banks, while Sue Lynn, who is partnered with Randall to build a school, pressures Dex by threatening to call in her debt to the casino. 
Banks eventually succumbs to his guilt after Dex calls him a scumbag and admits that Candace's daughter reminds him of his own deceased child. He leads her to Randall's former accountant, who reveals that the school is a cover for illegal activity. Uh-oh. 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 Cosgrove notices that Hoffman is becoming obsessed with the Kane case and assigns it to another detective. Dex and Banks search the construction site and find evidence that Randall is smuggling counterfeit pills. With help from Sulin, who abhors drug dealing on her reservation, don't we all, Dex gets Randall's to incriminate himself on camera and forces him to remove the pills, finish the school, and return Candace's daughter to her. Banks signs off on Dex's hours, qualifying her to get a PI license, and Kane abducts Gray and informs him that he will have to pull off one last job to pay his and Jack's debt. So yeah, this is starting to get uh, interesting, to say the very least. And In the role of Wallace Kane, we have one Colin Cunningham, who is known nowadays for playing on AMC's Preacher, TNT's Falling Sky, and Stargate SG-1. I don't think we've mentioned Stargate SG-1 on this. Uh, no, this we podcast. haven't. It, you know what? We should mention it more because we love Richard Dean Anderson. Yep. And uh, another appearance by uh, the Tappers. And yeah, that's pretty much the extent of bodies on this episode. I noticed that aside from people with open murder cases, not many people get killed. Episode 5, Bad Alibis. Dex is interviewed for her license. With Gray missing, she takes over management of the Bad Alibi and hires Tuki when the bar's chef unexpectedly quits. Hoffman defies orders to stay away from Gray's case and is threatened with the loss of his badge if he doesn't walk away. Instead, he hires Dex to find him instead. Basically, the detective version of money laundering. While on the job, Gray discovers that Kane plans to kill his friend Denton and has assigned his enforcer Frank to take Ansel hostage in order to keep him in line. While at a restaurant with Frank, Ansel gets in contact with his sister. She rescues him and interrogates Frank to learn where Kane and Gray are. The police stage raid, Hoffman catches up to Kane, nearly killing him in anger before Cosgrove talks him down. Dex punches Gray for putting her brother in danger and tells him that he better come clean while he still can. Despite having found an engagement ring while searching his loft, she is unable to get him to admit that he might have feelings for her. Tuki decides to quit so he can return to his food truck. Dex receives news that she passed her interview and her license has been approved. One big name in this episode, playing the role of Janet Withers, Janine Garofalo. Oh! Yeah, big name. Yep. You know we'll know who she is. Oh, yeah. You might not know who Deborah DiGiovanni is, but she plays a waitress on this episode, and Deborah DiGiovanni was actually one of the regulars on Match Game Canada a few years ago. Oh, yeah, the Canadian version of Match Game. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look hard enough, is on the YouTube. And that's, like, a, exactly this, like, the set and everything's like the 70s Match Game, I'm not mistaken, right? Um, kind of, sort of. They 
filmed the first season of Match Game Canada on the Montreal set. Then they moved it to either Toronto or Vancouver. Okay. The whole new set. It basically captures the feel of the 70s era match game, but in the here and now. Okay. Well, there's one more name that you haven't mentioned, and this person's probably even bigger than Janine Garofalo. Oh? What? Yeah, playing himself. C.J. McCollum. You don't watch the NBA. You don't know who C.J. McCollum is. I know. Is. He's from the Blazers, right? I know. No, Well, he was on the Blazers at the time, but he got traded to the Pelicans okay. this past season. Okay. So now he's King Cake Baby's problem. Essentially. Yeah. H- yeah. H- him and Zion Williamson, yes. They all have to run away in terror from King Cake Baby, which I don't blame them because King Cake Baby is very scary. Okay. Hey, tell us who's scarier, King Cake Baby or the original Pierre the Pelican. That's really a coin toss. Yeah. At least King Cake Baby, at least he get the excuse that he's a baby. Right. He doesn't know any better. No. He, he doesn't does know he's scary. No, he does not. Episode 6, Dex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. Fiona X, a punk rocker, who is also Dex's ex-girlfriend, hires her to track down a stalker while also making it clear that she is still attracted to Dex. Ooh. Mike, you see what I'm doing here? Hoffman is unsure of his relationship with Dex, and Kara tells him that he should tell her how he feels. After a scare at a concert, Fiona reminisces about their past romance, and they sleep together. Always goes back to sleeping together. Gray meets Liz, a guide for a local paranormal tourism outfit, and they hit it off to the disapproval of Ansel, who fears that Gray will abandon him now that he doesn't love his sister. After Ansel locks himself in Gray's office, Dex and Gray explain that no matter what, they will never let anything drive apart their friendship. Suki's truck is shut down for minor health permit violations, and he asks Cosgrove for help. They bond over their shared love of Mexican cuisine and begin a platonic friendship. The police locate the stalker. The man claims Fiona sent him dozens of letters, which turn out to have been written by her controlling manager, Nick, whom Hoffman arrests. Fiona asks Dex to help her, but Dex turns her down, stating she's not the person she was ten years ago. And Hoffman takes Dex on a bowling date. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Bowling is great. Bowling is incredible. I love bowling. It's aerobic. It's anaerobic. Anyway, uh, Iona Gika in Art Imitating Life, she is a musician who is on the soundtrack of Snow White and the Huntsman, The Runaways, and Death Note. She plays Fiona X in this episode. By the way, again, tying it back to the month, Runaways. Even though technically that's not MCU canon. At least they haven't... No. Anything that was not with the Marvel Studios banners in this gray area, where if it's canon or not, like... No, no, no. It did not have Marvel Studios. Anything that's not Marvel Studios that was produced by Marvel TV and not on Disney Plus is in that gray area on if it's canon or not. Except for like the um, 
the Netflix shows because now they're in their own category on Disney Plus as the Defenders saga. So, okay. And Nick, the uh, manager, is played by Bruce Wexler, who nowadays uh, plays Robert on Euphoria. But in 2013, he played a male nurse on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The gang gets quarantined. The episode. Oh, is that the episode where freaking uh, Frank has to use all the Purell? Probably, because again, this was 2013. We didn't know. <laughs> 20, yeah, we didn't know what was happening. Uh, why is there hand sanitizer all over the floor? What was in here? Oh, <gasps> Frank! Oh my God! What the hell did you do to yourself? I just want to be pure. That was a horrifying episode where Frank bathed himself in his underwear with hand sanitizer. Yeah! Okay, you can stop talking about that episode now. Episode 7, November Surprise. Vanessa, the manager for a wealthy state Senate candidate, hires Dex to dig up compromising material on his opponent, Councilman Dan Gibson. Dex poses as one of Gibson's volunteers and breaks into his office late at night, where she steals a letter and fends off a rival P.I., Carol, also hired by Vanessa. What? Carol subsequently warns Hoffman that he needs to keep a closer eye on Dex. Gray agrees to let Liz train to be his new bartender, but their growing relationship annoys Dex. Liz tells Gray he needs to prove he loves her and not Dex, or they will eventually break up. Dex continues her investigation, ultimately discovering that Gibson, a gay man, fathered a son out of wedlock with a student while he was teaching college. Despite her efforts to hide this revelation, Vanessa learns about it and pays her for her services. Realizing she can't live with profiting off the destruction of two families, Dex brokers a compromise. Gibson will drop out of the race if his son's privacy is respected. She also returns Vanessa's money and cuts all ties with her. Liz, Gray, and Hoffman join Dex and Ansel for Friendsgiving. We're going to have a Friendsgiving one of these days. Playing the role of Vanessa is Eliza Coop from Future Man, obviously. And playing the role of Dan Gibson is Paul Fitzgerald, best known for The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and as Dr. O'Neill, April's dad, in the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I didn't know April O'Neill had a dad. And her dad was a doctor. Wow. And I'm guessing of the uh, Secret uh, Life of Walter Mitty. Was that a Ben Stiller movie? Yeah, I think that was Ben Stiller, wasn't it? That was Ben Stiller, yes. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. And, of course, he recurred on Younger and Power Book 3. Episode 8. The Other Woman. Sue Lynn hires Dex again, this time to identify whoever's behind the series of attacks aimed at her. The case requires Dex to visit the reservation where she's driven off by Sue Lynn's bitter daughter-in-law, Naomi. Hoffman persuades her not to drop the case and she strikes a deal with Sue Lynn to get full access to the reservation. Sue Lynn assigns Naomi to shadow her investigation, however... And based on Dex's intuition that someone within the tribe has a grievance against Sulin, 
the pair discover that Hollis's nephew is plotting against her and use it to force Hollis to turn over the names of reservation members expelled by Sue Lin. Hoffman finds that one of them was a young man kicked out for selling drugs, relevant, and arrests him after finding him with a pipe bomb. However, before he can be processed, Sue Lin exercises her authority as tribal chief to take him into her custody. Hoffman tells Dex that she crossed the line when she included Liz in the names to be investigated. Dex was paid by Sue Lin with casino chips, and she invites Liz to join her for a celebration at the craps table. It's a celebration! Especially if he rolls a seven on the come-out roll. That's a craps joke, folks. Well, also, hold on. We got to remember that one of the key elements to Dex is that she is a recovering uh, gambling addict. So yes. I don't think this is terribly smart. No! No, no it's but not! It's ter- but it's terribly convenient. Right? Yeah, yeah just, just read the next line because th- this is expected from like half the episodes we've uh, talked about thus far. Yes, the next slide reads The next morning she wakes up to find a naked Liz in bed next to her. I'm sensing a trend. Yeah, think. Playing the role of Naomi is Moon Daly, an actress known for crossing lines, I Am Not an Easy Man, and Magellan. I'm guessing they're all Canadian productions. Eh. Episode 9. Dex Education. Dex and Liz agree that since they don't remember having sex, they won't tell anyone about their girls' night out. Dex's high school nemesis, Penny, hires her when her daughter, Jennifer, is expelled for selling Adderall, which she swears was planted. Uh-huh. Dex, uh, drugs are bad, kids. Dex goes mm-hmm. undercover as a substitute teacher, wiretaps a member of the school's volleyball team, and discovers that the coach was the dealer. The, the coach sold her the stuff, y'all. Meanwhile, Gray found out from Ansel that Liz had spent the night with Dex. When Dex cannot be straightforward about what happened, Gray tells her she's not welcome in the bar any longer. Hoffman is hurt as well, but buries his feelings and tells Dex their relationship should be kept professional. The coach is arrested after seeing buy more pills and tried to flee. Jennifer is cleared and Penny makes amends with Dex. With video footage provided by Sue Lin, Gray discovers that Liz intentionally got Dex drunk to destroy their friendship What? And then he kicks her out. Sue Lin told Dex that it was time for her to get her life in order. Ansel tells Dex he wants to move out and live an independent life. Gray goes to see Dex, only to see that Hoffman got there first. So, suffice it to say, things get really awkward. Playing the role of Penny is Lindy Booth. I'm not mistaken, she was actually in the famous Jet Jackson as Riley, who played Agent Hawk in Silverstone, the show within a show on the famous Jet Jackson. She was also in all 42 episodes of The Librarians and the movie Kick-Ass 2. With Nick Cage. And, oh, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, who, as we all know, 
was the MCU Quicksilver. Isn't that right, Chico? Yep. And Craven the Hunter in the SSU. She was also on all 44 episodes of Future Entry Relic Hunter as Claudia. And uh, she was in all 15 episodes of Future Entry Erie, Indiana, The Other Dimension. Oh, God, I don't even think I put Erie, the Indiana, the other dimension on the list. We so had it, the original series, but not the uh, not the sequel. So, yeah, that was on Fox Kids. Yeah, it's going on there now. Nice. Also playing Michael Harris in this episode is Corey Blevins. He played Agent Buckholtz on eight episodes of the epic series Get Shorty, not the movie. But also, since we all enjoy a good... It's always Sunny reference. He played Benjamin's dad on the episode Frank Reynolds' Little Beauties, where Frank uh, actually tries doing a beauty pageant with oh, little kids. Oh, God! And, 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 and this guy plays the dad of the only boy competing in the competition. Oh, that was a great scene. That was a great episode. Beautiful. Welcome, welcome to our legitimate show of kids. A very, very, very nice. Which one of these talented uh, entertainers who I am not attracted to at all will be the winner? I'm not attracted to any of them. None of them. And that's the way it is. (laughs) That is the best episode because of Frank's makeup. He gets it done by uh, like an... uh, uh, A mortician. A mortician. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just pale. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Unbelievable. Oh, but perhaps one of the bigger known names in this uh, cast list, Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who played Alyssa on the episode. Nowadays, she could be seen on Disney Plus as Doogie Kamealoha, MD. Oh yeah, that's right. And wasn't she Andy Mack also? She was also Andy Mack. Yes. She was also on Andy Mack with Asher Angel, who, of course, is now uh, Billy Batson and Shazam. Wrong comic universe. Well, I, it, well, I know, yeah, but still. I, well, technically, remember, Shazam is called Captain Marvel originally. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Nice. That's a tease for the next episode. And speaking of next episodes, episode 10. We're halfway home, folks. Reality checks don't bounce. Celebrity judge Antonio Price pays Dex to deliver a summons to his older brother, Latoris, for selling the house he bought for him behind his back. Dex discovers that Latoris used the money to purchase rare civet cats for pet shop owner Dwaddle Chen, but since the cats were seized by customs officers, he's terrified Chen won't kill him. Hoffman is assigned to escort a police captain's wife to a concert, and on the way home, her car is stolen, and Hoffman uses his leverage on Gray to force them to help find it. Latoris is abducted, and the judge refuses to pay the ransom. And thinking that his deadbeat brother isn't worth it. Ew. Salty. That causes Dex to reevaluate her hostile reaction to Ansel's wanting to leave the house as she realizes that he's tired of being treated as a child and wants a chance to live like a normal adult. Dex stages a rescue to free Latoris from Chen, but the judge is shot and decides to give his brother the money to get his cats back after he declines an offer to move in with him. 
Ansel moves out with his sister's blessing. Hoffman tells Gray he'll be going undercover as an informant in exchange for his record being clean. So playing the role of Antonio Price, another favorite of ours, Mike Epps from the Friday sequels. Not the actual Friday movie, but the sequels. The sequels. Oh, and he was also in the uh, the other version of Uncle Buck, the one that doesn't have Kevin Meany in it. Oh, the, the, the other feature entry? Not the, the other, feature entry, the other, the other Uncle feature. Buck, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, playing his brother, Latoris Price, T.K. Carter, which we will talk about later this year on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. He and he was also also, uh, in future entry, Just Our Luck. If we ever get more episodes of that, we will cover it because that is a batch insane show. I will, however, plug the uh, 13-week theater episode on Just Our Luck because, like he said, it was a batch insane show. It was! I'm not arguing you. And, uh, oh, a couple of really big names of this episode as Waddle Chen, Keone Young. Y'all remember Keone Young, right? He was in uh, Samurai Jack as the Young Emperor. He was in Young Justice as Sensei. He was an Archer. Okay. Uh, Naruto. Benisa Verb. Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, okay. He was in the Marker. Future Entry Marker. With uh, Richard Grieco and Gates McFadden. Oh, okay. He was with Booker and um, Booker and Doctor 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 Crusher. Yeah, I love Gates McFadden, but I don't love her as much as Tony Shalhoub. He was also uh, in K.O. O'Brien, and he played Super Ninja in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Oh, great! Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. And he was the original voice of Storm Shadow on. G.I. Joe. Oh, cool. So, suffice it to say, he did a lot. But not as much as John Posey, who played Captain White on this episode. He is on my list of pilots to look for, the original pilot of Full House. He's right up there with the uh, Sailor Moon live-action animation pilot. Wait, was he the original Danny Tanner? He was the original Danny Tanner. Well, guess this what? This is going to become relevant in a couple of days. Yes, it is. As if me teasing Captain Marvel wasn't a tease enough. Yeah. Um, by the way, he was also on several episodes of Teen Wolf and How to Get Away with Murder. Episode 11, The Past and the Furious. While trying to find a new balance now that Ansel is left, Dex is approached by Jeremy Stevens, a veteran who recently learned he was adopted and wants to find his real parents. Based on our client's discovery that he's 48% Native American, Dex looks into the adoption agency that handled his case, but learns that all their records were sealed when the agency closed. Gray meets the carjacking ring Hoffman assigns him to, including a young mechanic named Max, who he begins to develop feelings for. Ansel starts working out a list of things to do to prove that he's a real man, but Gray tells him that his maturity already makes him that. Dex finds Jeremy's dad, but he leaves after telling Dex he could never be a father. 
She then discovers that the agency falsified the report used to convince the state to have Jeremy taken from his mother, who has since died from drug problems. With Suleyn's help, Jeremy is reunited with his aunt and her family. Dex decides to start attending a veterans group that he recommended to her, and Gray's new boss asks him to help dispose of a heroin shipment the gang stole by mistake. How do you steal heroin by mistake? How is that even possible? I don't know. Play the role of Jeremy is Robert Adamson, who you would probably remember if you are a big fan, and I mean a really big fan, of The Young and the Restless. He played Noah Newman. But aside from that, he hasn't done much yet. Oh, and the young mechanic named Max is played by Inbar Lavi, who you would know from Imposters, another future entry. And also a never cover, Lucifer. Episode 12, Dirty Dexy Money. Wait, Big name in this wait, episode. wait, is Donald Sutherland in this episode? No. Oh. Sorry. Dex takes a job from Ginger Lloyd, who's played by Cheryl Hines, who is currently on I Can See Your Voice. She's the owner of a vegan restaurant slash strip club, hello, to investigate a claim that one of the dancers is skimming from the club. <laughs> Hold on, time out! A vegan restaurant slash strip club. Yes. And it's losing money. I can only imagine why it's losing money. How can a strip club lose money? I'll give you a hint. It's the vegan restaurant part that's losing the money. Anyway, it's great. Wait, 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 wait. I have their tagline. What's the tagline? Come for the melons, stay for the melons. As Gray continues to burrow his way into the gang, Hoffman clashes with Jimmy, a vice detective and friend of Cosgrove's who insists on being involved with the case. Ginger showers Dex with attention and gifts something strictly prohibited by PI regulations and attempts to get her to sleep with a dancer. Everything comes to a head when the dancers reveal that they've all been skimming to help a colleague who blames Ginger for his injuries. By the way, that line, Mike, would not work because this is a male strip club. So it would be come, so it would be come for the pickles, stay for the pickles. Oh no wonder this strip club's losing money. It's a vegan restaurant slash real strip club. Okay, I stand corrected. This place is terrible. It should just shut down. Now actually I think I've been there. It, it's not come for the pickles, stay for the pickles. It's oh geez, they got gherkins. Got out everybody. <laughs> Ginger, Ginger refuses to hear. I know. <laughs> Stop. I'm explaining Fire, it sir. to the audience. I'm explaining it to the audience. Eggplant. Anyway, <laughs> files a complaint against her, accusing her of accepting bribes and demonstrating incompetence, putting her license at risk. Next goes to our first group meeting, which inspires her to retaliate by filing her own complaints with the city. And impressed by her boldness, Ginger drops the complaint and agrees to address the dancer's concerns. Hoffman sets a trap for Jimmy, correctly guessing he's corrupt. 
and he and Gray realize they need Dex to help him with Gray's plan to buy the rest of the heroin that they accidentally stole. Okay, so Cheryl Hines, big name, not the only big name on this episode. Playing the role of Franny Lewis, Mimi Bobovac herself, Kathy Kinney. And we talked about Kathy Kinney all the way back in episode 50 in Tag Team. That we did. Episode 13, The Dex Factor. Yo, you dealing with The Dex Factor. I got everything I ever Yo. wanted, and I'll never Yo. get that back. Yo. Oh, I know you hate it. Dex Factor. But you ain't gotta look at me like that. I said you ain't gotta look at me like that. Dex agrees to pose as Gray's drug buyer from Los Angeles. She meets Violet, a U.S. Army former CID special agent, at her support group. However, Violet is secretly a fixer set to retrieve the stolen heroin. Uh-oh. 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 She flirts with Dex and they connect over their experience with trauma and adjusting to post-military life. After making love, oh. which seems to be a recurring theme here, they trade phone numbers the next morning. Well, at least they know what they're getting into. Gray leaves the bad alibi in Ansel's care, and Tuki swings by to help. After the sting operation goes down, Dex finds Violet outside the body shop holding a gun. Surprised to see her there, Violet tells Dex she doesn't want to hurt her, but Dex says her best friend is inside and a fight ensues. Violet is wounded and thrown over the balcony, but when Dex looks down, she's gone. With help from Sulin, Gray gets Max out of town and gives her his truck to escape. Ansel gets permission from Dex to take driving lessons, and later at the Bad Alibi, the bartender brings Dex a cocktail set by a woman that's similar to what Violet was drinking when they met. Dex looks around, mm. but Violet has slipped away. Hmm. 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 Cynthia A. Robinson plays the role of Violet. And she was a woman in San Francisco in the Star Trek Into Darkness movie. Star Trek into darkness. That was J.J. Abrams basically saying, I'm going to make my own version of Star Trek The Wrath of Khan with Blackjack and Hookers. With Blackjack and Hookers. Yeah, great job, J.J., for making us think that Benedict Cumberbatch was playing a completely different character when everyone and their mother knew he was playing Khan. Great job. Okay, and Cynthia Addy Robinson, aside from being a recurring face on Power and Chicago Med and Shooter, is going to be the upcoming Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power for Amazon. So, a little something to look forward to. Episode 14, Till Dex Do Us Part. Claire Chesterfield hires Dex to do a background check on Zack Knight, a tattoo artist and her sister Jenna's fiancé. Dex visits his parlor and grills him, learning that while Zack himself is clean, he does have a secret. He blames himself for the accident that killed Dahlia, the girl he was supposed to marry before he met Jenna. This is going to end well, by the way. Tuki forces Gray to take him on as a partner in the bad alibi. Gray resists the change and furious that Tuki seems to think he can't run his own bar properly, throws him out. Ansel is upset and tells Gray that without Tuki's food, the bad alibi will suffer financially. Somebody's been watching Bar Rescue. 
Hoffman sets up an article attacking his father, Lionel, for representing a man he arrested. His mother forces them to make amends, and Lionel extends an offer to Hoffman to join his firm. Gray invites Tukey to return to the Bad Alibi and throws Ansel to assistant manager. Tex crashes Jenna's wedding and forces her to confess that she was the driver who killed Dahlia. The police arrest her, and Zach repays Dex for help by giving her a free tattoo of a blackbird on her abdomen. Ooh. Which actually features in the comic if you've ever seen it. Oh. And in this episode, Ewan Mackin plays Zack Knight, and he is actually currently starring in La Brea. But you probably remember him as Doc in Resident Evil, the final chapter. The last one in the um the Mila Jovovich series, right? Yeah. Okay, not the reboot. No. Good. And in the role of Claire Chesterfield is Christine Woods, who you would probably remember in Hello Ladies, Perfect Couple, and Future Entry, Flash Forward. But perhaps one of the bigger names in this episode is Jenna Marshall, who is played by Troyan Belisario, who is known more for her role on Pretty Little Liars and less for being Donald Belisario's daughter. That's what I was going to mention, yeah! The creator of Quantum Leap. Among other things, you see. Yes. I mean, yeah, he did other shows like Airwolf and Jag and NCIS. No, we just know him from Quantum Leap. And Magnum P.I. He also did Magnum P.I. Fun fact, she was on two episodes of Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah, I do remember her. on What did she play on Quantum Leap? She played Teresa Bruckner on two different episodes. Okay. My guess is uh, the end of one episode and the beginning of another. Yeah, it must have been a two-parter. Oh, boy. Episode 15. Getting down to the wire, folks. At all costs, the Conrad Costas Chronicles. Dex takes Gray with her on a trip to L.A. where she intends to help a struggling screenwriter, Camille Costas, expose an old colleague who stole her latest work based on her uncle's police career and is turning it into a movie. Gray also discovers that Dex has a secondary motive, a letter from Maribel, her aunt who may know the whereabouts of her missing parents. Tuki, despite having been told specifically not to, rents out the bad alibi for Hoffman's mother's birthday party. Ansel discovers Gray's antique pistol is missing from his office. Turns out Gray put it in storage for safekeeping, which you do, by the way. Dex gets a copy of the script and proves it was plagiarized, but her rented apartment is burned down before she can finalize the deal. She has Gray spread rumors that she has video evidence allowing her to set up a sting and catch the watch-up actor hired to try and kill her. The producers give in and agree to all of Camille's demands. Gray meets his long-lost father, who has started a new family, and finds the closure he's long sought. Dex goes to see Maribel, who reveals that her parents may have abandoned her and Ansel to protect them. So, a lot of things to process here. And, by the way, uh, Mary Passeri plays Camille Costas. And, of course, she was in 11 episodes of Best Friends Whatever. And, aside from that, mostly 
roles, but not the biggest name in this episode. Oh, by no means. By no ready? means. Are you ready for this, boys? Okay. I, I know what's coming. I don't know if Greg's ready for it. What is it? Who is it? Play the role of Chuck Drackner, Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Booger Armstrong. Curtis Booger Armstrong. Oh, that's well, well now hold on. Legitimately, guys, depending on what generation you're from, you either know him as Booger or you know him as Snot. Snot on American Dad, yeah. Right. Or you could be that in-between generation who knows him as that guy from Moonlighting who was dating uh, Elise Beasley's character. That's right. Yeah, he was on Moonlighting. That is not streaming or on DVD anywhere. You know, especially because poor Bruce Willis right now. You know what? We need to have him get the residuals right now. Please, Buena Vista, put Moonlighting on streaming somewhere. Thank you. Now, I wonder how much of it, and I'm sure it's very little, has to do with the Al Jarreau theme song. I read something online or something like from uh, Gwen Gordon Karen, the executive producer of Moonlighting, saying one of the reasons why it's not streaming anywhere is because something to do with like the music rights. Oh, said. God. A lot, they use a lot of popular music on Moonlighting. Yeah, so that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. They'd, they'd have to do what they did with uh, Captain N and Super Mario Brothers. Or you know what? Have Shout Factory handle it. Shout Factory can handle anything. And if Shout Factory can't handle it, certainly Mill Creek can. Oh, one more known voice he does. He was Dan. Dan? On, on Dan Versus. Oh, yeah, Dan Versus. All 51 episodes, he played Dan. Dan. Which, I don't know if we would cover it or we wouldn't cover it, but we love that show. I don't love it as much as Wings. I know. Episode 16, All Quiet on the Dexter in front. Dex takes on a new case helping a mother who's lost custody of her children, which triggers parallels to her time in Afghanistan. After memories of Afghanistan reemerge, Dex spirals and must face the reason behind Betty's death. Back at the bad alibi, Gray and Tuki co-chancel on how to ask a girl out for a date. Why didn't anybody tell me how to do that? Anyway. Hey, legend in this episode. Oh, big legend. Big legend. And we've talked about him in the past. Play the role of Mr. Shoemaker, Bernie Capel. That's right, Bernie Capel, baby. Where do we start with him? Uh, we're talking uh, Siegfried on Get Smart, Doc on Love Boat. The Love Boat. And we talked about him all the way back in When Things Were Rotten, which was in episode 69. Nice. nice. Yeah, he's done it all. Yeah, he, yeah. Episode 17, The Dex Files. <laughs> well, now, now, Greg, don't laugh at that when we just had all's quiet on the Dexter in front and all these uh, Dex education, all these little subtle play on words with Dex. No, please. Chico. Uh, it's a good thing this is an audio podcast and not a video uh, podcast because I'd be going to hell right now. Oh, you're already there. You're not. You're just now flaunting it. Anyway, it's like you were going to hell a long time ago. You're just enjoying it now. 
You're just being upgraded to first class. Okay. Good. Dex's <laughs> former client, Jeremy, introduces her to Major Elders, who has intel on Betty's death. Dex, suspicious of the information and looking for answers, investigates a potential cover-up involving Betty's unit in Afghanistan. Elsewhere, Hoffman and his partner, Lee, work closely on a sting operation, which shockingly involves a familiar face. Meanwhile, Gray's newfound relationship with his father is tested. Uh, playing the role of Major Elders is Michael Beach, who you would probably remember from Aquaman as Manta's father, Jesse. He was also in Mayor of Kingstown, SWAT, and Truth Be Told, and The Rookie, and SEAL Team, and Swamp Thing. And Dynasty, the CW the, one, the the reboot with Liz Gillies. Yes, but mostly the two DC shows. No, the DC show and the DC movie. Yes. And finally, episode eighteen, all hands on Dex. To get justice, Dex takes matters into her own hands after finding herself at the forefront of a murder investigation where she's the prime suspect. Meanwhile, Hoffman struggles to remain impartial in the investigation and could lose everything if he continues to help Dex. Elsewhere, Gray attempts to work on his budding relationship with his estranged father while a familiar face from the past makes a surprise visit. This is basically a season finale where all of your past comes to haunt you, and all of your uh, present and future as well. No names of note here, but you can imagine where there is this gigantic cliffhanger, and you're waiting for it to be resolved, and ABC's about to give it to you. In fact, ABC does, to the point where they bring in a new executive producer, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fringe, Monica Owusu Breen, who will succeed Matt Olmstead, who was running season one. And she also served as a writer on Lost, Alias, Midnight Texas, Revolution, Brothers and Sisters. Not the Chris Lemon Brothers and Sisters from 1979. And Charmed. And... Everything's ready to come together for more antics in Stumptown. But then uh, reality delivers a punch in the gut. It's time to get serious, folks. Because as you know, in March of 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic hits the world hard. And production had yet to begin on season two of Stumptown, when on September 16th, it was announced that production delays caused by the pandemic meant the series would not be ready in time. And ABC, not willing to wait the time out to, you know, get the series to air, effectively canceled the series. They did shop the series around, but a change of showrunner would have delayed scripts, and the show would have not been ready until April 2021, at the very earliest. 
As of this recording, the series remains canceled and is yet to find a home anywhere. So what was that in that Man versus Bear episode where you talked about if it's been one year or something, you can just assume, yeah. Yeah, uh, the futon critic rule, I call it. Okay. If, if one year passes with no new news on its ultimate fate, it is safely assumed to be canceled. Again, this being one year since April 2021, we can safely assume that Stumptown is no more. And the thing of it is, it was incredibly brilliantly executed. Yeah. I mean, this was just like action, high drama, riveting stories, a continuing narrative. This was a detective story with intelligence, basically. Yes. For the modern day. And it had your anti-hero who is beautifully imperfect and unapologetically imperfect. And people were just drawn to the character. I know Kobe Smulders was drawn to the character. Oh, yes. She owned that role. Oh, yes. Kobe Smulders is great in anything she's in. Indeed she is. I've got some lines here from uh, Carolyn Framke from Variety. She said, with only one episode to go on, the pilot, it's hard to say how Stumptown will handle its upcoming cases of the week or if it will shade decks out beyond her cliched faces. Spoiler alert, it does. But there are a couple standout elements of the show that point toward a more promising season than not. And Allison Shoemaker of the AV Club adds, it's likely that this origin story will lead to Dex getting a new case slash distraction of the week. Hopefully those stories will stand on their own as much as they illuminate inner life. Even if it doesn't, even if it's life for Stumptown becomes a lot less interesting after this first trip, Kobe Smulders as Dex Perrius are well worth visiting again. And all I can say is, it's one of those shows, I like to use the phrase, standalone complex. Because every episode can stand alone, but they all tie into the ongoing narrative. I got that from Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, obviously. Which, there are episodes that stand alone, and there are episodes that tie into the overall narrative. Of course, the one thing it did not have going for is ratings. I mean, it started out big, but then it just went kind of sort of downward, as is television is wont to do, before leveling out in the low 5 million range, when you figure in ratings and DVRs. But it did score high on the... uh, total viewers for the ad-friendly adults 18 to 49 demographic, which may have factored into ABC deciding to renew it. Also factoring it in, the fact that it was an in-house production. ABC completely fit the bell on this one. Yeah, that helps. It's like, if you're a network and you have your own production, that greatly improves your chances of being renewed which this show was. Unfortunately, our pesky friend called the pandemic showed up. Who knows if ABC Studios is still shopping the series. We know that the cast has gone on to other projects. I mean, 
we've seen Kobe Smulders on the season finale of How I Met Your Father, if you remember and, that. And she's going to be in Secret Invasion. And she's going to be in Secret Invasion. Jake Johnson went on to voice Peter B. Parker on in the Spider-Verse movie. Tantu Cardinal, she's got a whole lot of projects going on. She's going to be in The Last Manhunt. Quarter Gas Animated, can't wait for that. Oh, Lance Storm can't wait for Quarter Gas Animated, I'll tell you that much. Cole Sibis, he's still doing his work with Special Olympics. That's good. Adrian Martinez is still working. He was in the uh, Imagine Dragons video. He was... I want to say he's producing right now. Yep, yeah, he's producing. He's producing a couple of shorts, so... And Cameron Manheim. She's in the Law and Order reboot on NBC. Yep. Michael Ely. He's got a burgeoning movie career. Uh, he's actually going to be in Reasonable Doubt coming soon. Reasonable Doubt. And of course, he plays Reed Broderick on Bel Air. But yeah, it's like nobody's career was done in by this show, if anything. This show helped a lot of careers. It helped put a lot of uh, First Nations actors' names out there, and that's always to be lauded. It helped to put the city of Portland out there as something besides Portlandia. No offense to Fred Armisen. Or the city where Damien Lillard plays basketball. You want this show to succeed? No. This show did succeed. Unfortunately, it was dealt a bad hand. And ultimately, it became, not by its own merits, but it was a thing on TV. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. And, of course, as always, you can go to our website, itwasathingontv.com, where you can catch the 261 episodes previous to this, and you can go to watch all the live shows, all the mini-sodes, all the special episodes we've done, like the remastered episodes or the It Was a Thing on TV Presents is. I don't know if that's even a word, but I made that up. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. This is fine. And if you can go to our socials, you can go to at It Was a Thing on TV on Instagram and on Twitter and at It Was a Thing on TV podcast because um, uh, Facebook algorithms and all that crap. And of course, you can always stay up to date with our next episode coming on Thursday as Marvel Month continues. And we're talking not one. We're talking two actors who have been in the MCU. And they're sisters. And they're sisters. And they're helping to raise Bob Saget. What? Hey, tying this all back in. Because remember, as we all know, we talked about Robert Trubatsky, and we're talking the voice of old Ted Mosby. Yeah. And would you believe that Dr. Katz is involved? What? Oh, Dr. Dr. Katz. Katz. Dr. Ooh. Katz. Jonathan Katz. This will all make sense on the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV Marvel Month. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Private Eye Dex Parios is on the case in ABC's new rollicking caper, Stumptown. She's a smart aleck rogue detective 
cleaning up the streets of Portland her way. Good thing it's trash day. Stumped on Wednesdays on ABC. And she has lots of sex. <laughs> That's eugenics. What the hell is that? That's eugenics. 